So this morning, our mission of the week is NAMS, which is the New Anglican Missionary Society. And if you know John Schuler, my predecessor, he started NAMS back in 1994, and Monik has uh, become their global executive, so he is working with all five of the continents where there is a NAMS-based community. He's also the NAMS uh, regional leader in Southeast Asia. So he's originally from Singapore, but uh, was, uh, current, is currently living in Bangkok, Thailand. So he's come to us from Thailand via Little Rock, Arkansas, where there was a conference, and uh, is heading up to Polly's Island for some more NAM stuff after this morning. So um, I want to pray for Monik, and I hope that all of you will open your hearts to hear what the Lord has to say through him. Lord, thank you for Monik. Thank you for the blessing it is to have him this morning. Lord, I pray that you would anoint his words. I pray for all of us that you'd open our hearts to hear the truth from John chapter 1. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Welcome, Mark. Thank you. Thank you very much, Mike. Thank you for your welcome. It's great to be here. Um, as, you, as you've heard, I'm trying to hold on to the coattails of John Schuler in Ems, which is no easy task. Uh, but by the grace of God, we are, we are at work in a number of nations uh, as this missionary society and God is pleased uh, that, that we are involved with his church in taking the good news to the whole world. And this is good news for the whole world. Um, I'm Singaporean, as Mike mentioned, and uh, based in Bangkok, Thailand. My wife is Chinese. Uh, her name is Maple. And uh, we have an 11-year-old son. We've been all over the world. I met my wife in the UK when we were working with a new work there. Uh, and then moved back to Singapore and then on to Thailand. Uh, and by God's grace, uh, the work of NAMS is growing in a number of places, uh, no less than Asia, wherein at least uh, four different countries in Asia. Uh, so there's a bit of travel that's involved uh, for the region, but globally as well uh, in 13 nations. So I just want to say we appreciate the partnership that we have with Grace Church, Grace Anglican Church, in this global work. And we need you uh, to help us uh, and to come with us, uh, to pray for us, to give to us, uh, to join us in the global work of the gospel. We live in interesting times uh, in the world today, uh, but God is, is gracious uh, and his new good news is good news for the whole world. My parents... Uh, I don't look the typical Singaporean if you, most people think of Singaporeans as somewhere in China, uh, but it's at the edge of uh, Malaysia and Southeast Asia. My, my father uh, came from Sri Lanka, so I'm part Sri Lankan, and my mother's family came from Southwest India, uh, which is Kerala. And in fact, my grandparents were Brahmins. So in India, you have the caste system, and the Brahmins were the, the priestly caste, the high priest caste. And uh, my grandparents were re uh, missionaries came from CMS, uh, and they reached out to my grandparents. And my, my grandfather converted, my, and my grandmother as well. Uh, but as soon as that happened, trouble brew because, you know, for a Brahmin, uh, a Hindu Brahmin, uh, to convert was just unheard of in those days, still today. And so they were persecuted, they were told to leave the house. Uh, it's how my grandparents came to be in Singapore. They left India, never went back in uh, 1919 and moved to Singapore. And my, my mother and her sisters uh, were born, grew up in Singapore. Uh, 
So um, when I hear that legacy in my family, it, it re- kind of reminds me of one, the grace of God to reach out to my grandparents in India and to the cost of being a follower, of being a disciple of Jesus. Um, New Grace, Grace Anglican has been partners with us uh, in, in the New Anglican Missionary Society. Uh, particularly this year, I think you've helped us in what we call the GAP program, Global Apprenticeship Program. And what it is is by taking young people uh, and, and, and bringing them to one of our bases around the world, and we're raising them up as disciple-making leaders. You've helped us in particular with three young people in Nepal. They're actually local Nepalese, so they didn't move anywhere. They stayed where they are, but they, they became part of our NAMS base there. And uh, I just want to say thank you because your investment in them has been a, a blessing uh, to these young people. Two of them uh, just led uh, a meeting for about 300 young people in the far west of Nepal. God is using them in great ways. They're growing in faith and understanding and experience of being mission, mission, uh, people on mission uh, in their city. So I want to say thank you to that as well. We'll have a table at the back. Uh, please do come and, and see what we're doing and join us. Be part of us. But I want to move quickly to the scriptures as we ought to today and to hear what God has to say to us today. I love the series you're doing as we explore all the many facets of the wonder of the God we worship and serve, who he is to us. And so today I get the privilege of talking about God as our Father. What a joy it is to be here today. J.I. Packer said that you can sum up the whole of the New Testament teaching in a single phrase. He said it is the revelation of the fatherhood of the Holy Creator. A revelation of the fatherhood of the Holy Creator. What an amazing phrase. Not everyone born and living in this world is a child of God. We're all his creatures, we're all his creation. But because of sin and its effect on us, I like to think of people who don't know the Lord, who are far from him, as really being orphaned from God. We don't know him as father. We are enemies of God, as the scriptures tell us, because sin has bereft us of the relationship that we ought to have with our creator and sustainer. You have a physically born to families, we are parents, all of us, but really spiritually we're orphaned because of sin and its effects in us. The relationship with God is severed, it's broken, there's no connection, there's no ability, anyone born on this earth, to have immediately that relationship with God. And that's not his plan, but it's the reality of our world because of sin. Sin is our declaration of independence from God. It's saying, God, we don't need you, We're, we're in charge. It's us replacing God on the throne of our lives. Since our first parents, Adam and Eve, chose to act in rebellion, all around us, creatures, creation, lives in this process of decay and separation. The twisted world, a broken world, a dying world, because 
of that separation from God. Indeed, all of us, all of us are ill with this terminal disease called sin. None of us are going to make it. When we do wrong, we're merely acting out what we already are. Sinful acts are the fruit, not the cause, of this fatal malady. We sin because we are sinners. Inherently so. You know, if you have children, you know you don't have to teach your child to be selfish. Right? They're born with it. I want me. David, in his famous confessional psalm, Psalm 51, says, Surely I was sinful from the time my mother conceived me. We have all eaten of that same poisoned tree. Not only are we all in the same boat, says G.K. Chesterton, but we're all seasick, every one of us, the fact says. But thanks be to God, the gospel, the good news, we already read this morning, God did not leave us as we are to the hell that we deserve. The true light has come into the world. When light comes, darkness flees. I think it's an old folk saying that there is not enough darkness in all the world to extinguish the light of a single candle. And so when Jesus, the light of the world, comes in, darkness flees. What a joy that is, that he did come. He took on flesh, and he dwelt among us. He moved into our neighborhood, as uh, uh, Eugene Peterson puts in a message. He came to be one of us, so that his light can drive away the darkness. This is the world that rejected him, rejected God. But in spite of it, God took upon himself with his love and his great mercy. He came to us as one of us to rescue us. He dived into the waters, the treacherous waters where we are drowning in order to save us. Why? What drove him? He was after sons and daughters. He wanted you and me in, part of his family again. He wanted you and me to be his children. God is, if, if you forgive my, my crassness, God is a family man. He wants more sons and daughters in the image of his son. He wants you as part of his family. So Jesus came as both physician and cure to do for us what we could not do. And so when we think about God as Father, this idea that he came to adopt us in and bring us into his family, I hope it blows your mind because it blows mine to think that, that he wants me, he wants you to be his child. He signed the adoption papers with his blood. In fact, we share the full rights of sonship as possessed by his only son, our Lord Jesus Christ, God's perfect and righteous firstborn. But God's vision all along, not only was he going to reconcile us to himself, he was going to have us in the security of his bosom as his very own, that we might glorify him and enjoy him forever. C.S. Lewis puts it wonderfully, the Son of Man, the Son of God became man so that men may become sons of God. 
As I was reflecting on this little passage we heard read from John, my mind was, was cast immediately to Romans 8, which unpacks very similar thoughts. The creme de la creme, if you like, of scriptures regarding God's desire that we be adopted into his family, present and future. Let me read you just a couple of verses from Romans 8. Romans 8, 15 tells us, For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, and I might add as daughters, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Abba, Father. Abba, Daddy. You go to Israel today, little kids call their, their, their fathers Abba. means Daddy. That close term of intimacy. Adoption is a beautiful thing. My wife and my son, uh, we're here on sabbatical, actually. We've been here for about a month and a half in Paulie's, and we'll go back. Uh, but at the moment, they're in Washington, D.C., and they're staying with a family that were part of our small group in Bangkok. Uh, the, the husband is American, the wife is mixed, uh, Thai, Irish. They have two kids, one of which, the, the, the younger girl, is adopted. A Thai girl, and they adopted her into the family before they left Thailand. Um, and I'll never forget when they, were, when they were adopting her as a little baby, um, and she had to be in, in the hospital for some checkups. Um, and we were visiting them and praying and seeing the, the little girl they were adopted for the first time. It was very interesting that none of her Thai colleagues came to visit. Because in their Buddhist worldview, um, a child that's adopted, a child that has parents disowned or, or been orphaned, uh, is the effects of bad karma. So they think it's bad luck. So they didn't want to have anything to do with, you know, even our friends are Christians and adopted this little girl. Her colleagues couldn't take it in, on themselves to come and visit. It was very strange. It's almost as though, like some people think, if you're adopted into a family, um, you know, maybe you're second class, maybe you're, you're different, you're not natural. Some people have that kind of thinking as well, but in Thailand, it's, you know, it's bad luck. But for us, it's joy, it's, it's wonder, because in one sense, we are all adopted. It was with our, fa our colleagues, uh, Clay and, and Rosanna, who have adopted children of their own, and we are talking about it yesterday. The wonder of it that they're no different, they're family. And in, sen in one sense, we all are family when we're adopted. Now, in the, the Roman world, out of which Paul is writing Romans, the Roman letter, and out of which I dare say John is informed as he's trying to describe the incarnation and in terms of us being called in and brought in as adopted children. Uh, it's a wonderful thing, Roman law, uh, what was called patria potastas, really, literally means the father's power uh, in, in adoption. That's the, the law of adoption in, under Roman law. And what it did was it established a new set of legally binding principles. For example, if you're adopted under Roman law, your previous family and their rights over you are completely cancelled, annulled. They have no more hold over you. You now belong to a new family. All the rights of that family, you, you have the right to take on the new family name. You have full inheritance, 
from, from the new family. You belong to that new family. And what's more, Roman law at that time made it permanent. Nobody could change it. Nobody could disinherit you. You became part of the new family and you were there to stay. So when we think about Paul talking about the fact that we've been adopted and the Holy Spirit teaches us to cry out our Father because he's, he's ours now. Jesus taught us in the prayer, our Father. We're part of his family. We have all the rights. We are heirs and co-heirs with Christ, as Paul would go on to say in Romans. What a wonderful thing that is. I hope you're happy and rejoicing. How do you become part of his family? How do you get adopted in? Well, good news. It's nothing you need to do. It's, it's all been done for you by the grace of God. And that's the wonder of our adoption. It's not to do with us. It's to do with him. We belong to him. You know, in the part of the world where I live, uh, in Bangkok, we live between two Muslim mosques. It's really strange because we're in a Buddhist country, but Bangkok has a, about a million or so Muslims, who, particularly in the south of the country, but there are about a few, a few hundred thousand living in Bangkok. And we live in a community that has uh, two mosques, and we could hear the, the morning prayer sometimes. It wakes me up in the, in the early morning, early hours of the morning. And you know in Islam, Islam has 99 names for God, for Allah, the, the God they worship. But none of those names, not one, has God as Father. God is great, God is mighty, God is merciful, but there's no God as Father. And so we, by the, by the mercy of God, through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, brought into his family, and we can cry, Abba, Father. And John tells us, John goes on to say, verse 12, well, verse 11 tells us that when Jesus came, people were going to reject him. Most people avoid the light. They don't want to get exposed. They want to stay hidden. But John says, if you came into the light willingly and bring yourself to him, if you received him, verse 12, to all who received him, who believed in his name, Jesus gave the right to become children of God, gift of God. It's being offered to us. The first step is to receive it. It's to uncover yourselves and say, I need you, God. The biblical word is repentance. Changing your mind, changing the direction. Um, years ago when we were in the UK and we had a partnership with a church in Germany, I remember we used to take teams over to Germany and we used to try to reach out to people in a little town where we were in Bavaria. And uh, we, there was a drama that some of the young people used to do. And I'll never forget it because it was very... A wonderful picture of the, the, the problem of sin that infects all of us and God's solution. Uh, and it started off with these kids and they, they're created and they're, and they're suddenly beginning to behave like sinful people. It was all me, me, me. In fact, the only two words in the drama, the first word was me, me, me. So everybody was fighting with each other and it was all me, 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 me. And then this couple and they come up to the altar and they're singing me, 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 me. And it's all about me. The effects of sin. 
and there's fighting and there's brokenness and there's hurt. And in the drama, Jesus comes in. And when he comes in and he begins to touch and heal and reveal himself, and then he dies, he gives himself, the me gets changed to him. Him, him, him. And isn't that the effect that, that happens with us when we turn from our sins, when we receive him, it becomes all about him. The whole direction of our lives gets changed. It becomes about him. That throne that we used to sit on at the center of our lives, we dethrone ourselves and we say, take your rightful place, Lord Jesus. We receive him, we repent, we turn. And the second thing is we believe in his name. We accept what he's done for us. Jesus, Yeshua in Hebrew means God saves, God's salvation. His name written bold, big letters for us. Salvation has come. He came to die. He came to take our sins on himself. Him who knew no sin took on our sin. And when he had died for us, he paid the price for our rebellion, for our separation, for our orphanhood. He paid the price that we might be adopted back in to his family, that we might be free, that we might have forgiveness and freedom. It's the work of God. But our part in that is to believe, to trust, to put our trust in him. So we receive him, we turn from our ways and we trust in him. Faith receives what grace offers. And we receive from him by faith. And so we're changed. Something happens in us. We become, as verse 12 tells us, children of God. No longer orphans. We, like Jesus, can call God our Father. Daddy. You can bring your life to him every day. You need to go on following him into the world. Be part of his business in the world. And that's one of the things that Nams is passionate about. God has called us to awaken the church to its, its mission, not just at the other end of the globe, but its mission where you are, in your neighborhood, your family, in your schools, in, your, in the surrounding places that you live and work and play at. There is mission to be done. Because this, being a child of God, is not just about me, for me, and for my loved ones. It's for everyone. God wants more and more people into his family. It changes us. Let me end. Uh, I know my time is almost up, but let me end with a, a story um, that teaches us on this, the impact of the fact that we are made children of God. The freedom and the new world that opens to us. I grew up in Singapore and a family going to church, a local Anglican church. Uh, it was just part of my life. My dad was actually a vicar, so I'm a vicar's son uh, in Singapore. And uh, you know you know all the stories. Some of you, you have children. Uh, you grew up in the church. You know the Bible stories. You know the songs. You know the hymns. You can you know, recite the prayers by heart. You can do it blindfolded, the liturgy, you know. But all of us need to come to that point where we receive him, where we believe in his name, where we turn from our sins and we say, Lord, 
Be, be my Savior, be my Lord. Come in. Here's the keys to my heart. Here's the keys to all that I own. Be Lord, be in charge. And for me, when I was a teenager uh, at Sunday school, there was a missionary, he was preparing to go to the mission field, uh, an Indian Singaporean, wonderful man of God. And it was the first time I was confronted with somebody who was living the reality. He was a disciple of Jesus. And the stories he was telling us how God was answering prayers and using him to bring others to faith. And I'd never seen somebody so alive in the Lord. And it began to really speak to me. And uh, one of the stories he told us was he had a dear friend, a Chinese Singaporean, uh, who initially was not a Christian, grew up in a Buddhist family. And it's, it's often, uh, it sometimes happens in Singapore, Buddhist families or even Hindu families, they take their little boys to the temple or little girls and they kind of offer them to some god or something. Uh, they might get their fortune read. And this little boy's parents had his fortune read. I think he was young, a young boy by then, not a baby, a young boy. And they brought him to the temple. And the fortune teller read and said that at the age of 18, you're going to die. You're going to die from drowning. You're going to drown and die. I mean, what terrible news to bring to a little kid and his parents. And so fear just took hold of that little boy. He hated water. He didn't want to learn go near water because he, he thought, 18, I might die and, and drown. And a few ruled his life. But he became close friends with my Sunday school teacher, Daniel, this Indian Singaporean. And Daniel began to share the gospel with him and pray for him. And God began to touch this young Chinese guy. And by the time he was 16 or 17, he turned his life over to Jesus. And you know what they did when he turned 18? Oh, what else? They went for a swim in the sea. <laughs> He'd been set free. He was now a son of the living God. Death had no hold over him, no fear for, for death. Sin had gone because God had forgiven him by the blood of Jesus. He knew all the rights of being a son, of being a daughter of Christ, of, the, of, of, of our Heavenly Father. New life, come in. You can have that new life today. You may have had bad experiences, maybe a father who treated you badly or abused you or left you. And sometimes that can inform your perception of God when we talk about God as Father because you've had such a bad experience of the fatherhood, uh, your physical father, that you might then transfer that and think God is like that. I want to encourage you to come and be prayed for. Come for healing. Come and talk to us. Talk to the leadership. And, let, and you need to be helped. God will help you. He wants to show you the kind of father he is. It's just so different from your experience. And that he's here for you. He wants you. He's going to hold you. He's going to heal you. He's going to release you to the destiny that he has for you. And he's going to call you to join in with him in the, the Father's business of reaching the world for Christ, of being disciples who go and make other disciples. He wants you in. Don't leave today if, if that's a, a conversation you need to have with us uh, so that 
we can pray with you and God can help you. Let us pray as we come to a close. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can call you Heavenly Father. In all the richness of that meaning that we've been adopted, that you're our adopter. And Lord, in, in every sense, you look at us as you look at your son and you call us your beloved, that you are pleased with us, that you care for us, and that you hold us in your hands. We are engraved on, on the palms of your hands, as it were, so that forever we will be with you in your house. And Father, I thank you that we don't have to wait till eternity for that to start. It starts today where we are as your children, that you want us to walk and live as your children in our lives today, to act like children, daughters and sons of the living God, to act like people who know you intimately as our Father, to bring all our concerns to you, to be in, uh, intimately concerned with those around us, to pray, to reach out, to be disciples to them so that they too may know you. Lord, help us. Help us. And thank you for your Holy Spirit that witnesses to us in our spirits that we are children of God, that teaches us to cry out, Abba, Father. Father, we're so grateful. We're so thankful. Lord, help us to respond with worship by bringing of our lives to you every day and saying, Lord, I'm yours. We are yours. Show us. Teach us. Mold us. Shape us and use us for your glory. For we ask this through Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior, the light of the world that has come to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.